If you're not already standing, the scripture will be on the screen. Join. Thank you.
it's all. Can you hear me? There we go. Good morning. Thank you for, so much for being here with us on this special day of remembrance uh, of men and women who gave their life in order for, uh, for us, for our freedoms, for the wonderful blessings that we have here in our country. Um, a short video, I was telling Jeff, how do I follow that? I'm just going to make an announcement about Grow Camp. But, uh, but I do want to say thank you to those families that have been affected uh, and those that currently do have active men and women, uh, veterans. We want to thank and remember them all. Uh, in looking ahead for Grow Camp, we are wanting to say a big thank you for those that are wanting to invest currently now in our in our future church. So thank you for those of you that have already signed up. We have a few places left. Adult, teen, volunteers to sign up to make a difference, to work hands-on with our children, which is kindergarten through sixth grade. So this is completely different. Some of y'all are asking me, we doing VBS this year? Well, yes, we are, but we are calling it Grow Camp, and it is Go Reach Our World is what that stands for. And we, through children, through picking out crafts, different lessons, different skills, that's where our church volunteers have come in. Y'all, it's going to be so cool. They, they have the opportunity to pick two out of ten sessions. So sign up is still going on right now through tomorrow. Sign-ups are all online for you for your student to pick. Oh, I want to do jewelry making, or maybe wood burning is more for me, my interest. So we're going to teach them those different varieties, and then how to use that to turn around for kingdom purposes. How to use that skill or that talent to go reach our world to make a difference for Christ. So not only will they have that opportunity, but Pastor Chad and the worship team, we're going to have worship. I'll lead us in Bible story each night. We're going to feed your kids. They're going to go home with a full belly and a full heart. So that's really cool. So that starts next Sunday. When does it start? Yes. Next Sunday, June the 6th. No, it is at night. Yes, June the 6th. Yes, it is a Sunday. It's 5 to 8.30 each night, Sunday through Wednesday. Everything's online. I've been sharing it through the Carpenter's Way page, my personal page, the children's ministry page. So if you're like, what? What is she talking about? There's more detail for that there. And make sure to sign your kid up. It's through tomorrow. Uh, it's only $15. It's going to be a great opportunity to invest in our kids now as we help them to learn how through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can go reach our world and make a difference for Christ. Thank you. I hope not. Well, good morning. <laughs> this is so weird, just so you know. Like, I haven't been up here, like, teaching in about a year and a half, so I guess the last time I did this, it didn't go so well. <laughs> yeah, it's, somebody just caught it. Oh, yeah, great. Put the backstop up. You'll catch it. Yeah, he said all the time. Yeah, it's weird. It's, it's so different. Um, for the last year and a half or so, uh, Obviously, we've, things have been a little different because of the pandemic and having to do things differently. And, and so literally, I've been in the closet for uh, about a year and a half, and uh, they finally let me out of the closet. So that's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Yay! <laughs> you bet you're sweet bippity. Yeah. And uh, see, y'all listen. Um, so, so this morning, I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to have the opportunity to share. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and warn you that either this is going to be the shortest message you've heard on a Sunday morning or the longest. I'm not sure which one yet, 
but we'll figure it out as we go. Um, it's really interesting to me, every time that I have the opportunity to teach, particularly in here, it seems like I'm having to live through whatever I'm teaching. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of waiting for that passage to come up about winning the lottery, but I haven't gotten there yet. Um, <laughs> this, this week is absolutely no different uh, for me again, as I'm kind of living through what I want to share with you this morning. And actually, it's one of my favorite passages uh, in the New Testament. Uh, it's just such a great story, and there's so much stuff that happens in it. And I'm just going to kind of walk through it this morning a little bit. Um, and just kind of share some observations with you. Because I think that all of us, um, and, and you guys responded to Alicia, so when I ask you a question, if you don't respond, I'm going to feel bad. So, like, how many of you have had a bad day? Yeah, don't lie. <laughs> how many of you have had a series of bad days that you call <laughs> your life, right? I mean, it's just, I, I, it, like, it just happens, right? I mean, no matter how hard you try Sometimes life goes off the rail, and sometimes it goes off the rail more often than it stays on the rail. I mean, that's how I feel sometimes. It's like, man, I'm trying to do the best I can, and, and, and for those of you who know me, I'm, I'm a fixer by nature. I just fix things. It's just what I do, and, and, and man, when I can't fix my life, it gets really frustrating really quick, but what I've discovered is I, I can't fix my life. I, no matter how, trust me, I try, but I just can't because sometimes life just happens, right? Like you kind of roll through life and things are going well and, and, and then all of a sudden, man, just out of nowhere, it just goes off the rails. Or at least my life does. I don't know about you, but that's just how my life is. And, and I like things to go in order. I like things to be planned out. Um, and, and listen, when my life goes off the rails, if it's self-inflicted, I can deal with that. I'm okay with that. But man, when my life goes off the rails and I really didn't do anything, it's just life happens. Man, I, I really struggle through that. And, and this passage this morning uh, in the book of Acts, we're going to be in 16. We're going to start in uh, about verse uh, 16. And Mark's going to go back next week and fix everything I say. And he's going to cover, uh, cover the first part uh, of the chapter. But Paul is one of my favorite characters in Scripture. I, I just I love Paul because I think he's sarcastic. Uh, and if you know me, I'm sarcastic, and I like sarcastic people. And so when I read Scripture, I read it um, kind of in voices, which may seem weird. But I, I, just, I, I just, when I read Scripture, I, in my mind, I read it with whatever personality I think that particular person has. And, and I love reading Paul because I think he's sarcastic. And he may not be, but he is to me, and it works. So... Um, this passage is an interesting passage. I want to read it. It's a, it's a lengthy passage, but I, I want to read it this morning, uh, starting in verse 16 of Acts 16. It says, One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell, the, tell fortune. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes, and she followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul was so exasperated, right? So let me stop there because this is the first part of the story that I love because I don't know about you, but do you have a nerve? Yeah. Like, in, in, are there people in your life that know where that nerve is? <laughs> right? So when you read this, like, this, this slave girl didn't just find his nerve right? 
She found it, and she's just like, mm, yeah. Right? I'd jump up and down, but I'd, I'd be out of breath, and I couldn't preach the rest of the time. So, but yeah, you know what I'm saying? There, there's things in our lives, there's people in our lives that just, they find that nerve, and they just, uh, they're on it all the time, right? Like, I, I mean, maybe it's just me, and that's a problem. But, but what's happening here is this, this slave girl who's a fortune teller is on his last nerve. Like, when you read it, he's so frustrated, right? It's like, it's like he just, I don't think he's this nice. I don't think he says, I commend you in the name of Jesus, right? I don't. I just, I think he went, and that was it, right? I mean, because he's just so frustrated. And so he tells this, this slave girl, just like he turned and he said to the demon with her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and instantly it left. Man, I, I wish I could do that, <laughs> to be honest with you, right? Like, to that person that finds my nerve, I'd just like to be like, demon, be gone. And um, <laughs> it hadn't worked yet. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, so you have this moment where the slave girl's just on his last nerve. And he commands the demon to leave, and it says the demon left her. In 19, it says her master's hopes of wealth were shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because these are Jews. They shouted to the city officials. They were teaching customs that are, are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and he asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in the household were immediately baptized. He brought them into the house and set a meal before them. And his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. The next morning, city officials uh, sent the police to tell the jailer, let these, these men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have, have said, uh, you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. But Paul replied, they have publicly beaten us without trial and put us in prison, and we are Roman citizens. So now you want us to leave secretly? Sarcasm. Um, the way I read it anyway. <laughs> Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. When the police reported this, city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this passage. It's, uh, it's, it's a passage that man, I just love because there's so much truth in it, so many principles in these verses. Um, and God, as I read it again this week, God, it seems so relevant to where we are as people and the things that we face and the struggles we go through. So God, for a few moments this morning, I pray as we unpack some thoughts and ideas that, that you, would, you would encourage us, that you would remind us that, 
no matter what we're walking through right now, that um, it's going to be okay. Not because we're going to figure it out, but because you haven't changed. Um, you're the same God uh, who created the world. You're the same God who sent your son to pay the price for us. You're the same God that, that is our hope and our peace. And so this morning I pray as we look through this passage for a little bit, that, that God, you would remind us of that. In Jesus' name we pray. Um, amen. Man, it's a great passage. Um, and it's, it's interesting to me as you kind of walk through it. Um, because the, the, the thing that, that kind of is amazing to me, and it kind of blows up some thought that's out there sometimes uh, in theology, is that, man, if, if you're doing the right thing, then everything's going to go your way. Right? I mean, that's kind of what we're told, is, is if you just do the right thing, then life's going to go great for you. If you just, you, you just do the things you're supposed to be doing, then you're not going to have any worries or any problems. But the whole problem with that thought is, have you, you looked at Paul's life? Right? I mean, like, when you read Paul's story, this is not a one-time thing that happened. This is a constant thing in Paul's life. He's, he's always going through struggles. He's going through persecution. He's going through heartache and hard times. And yet Paul is such a pivotal character in the New Testament. He's, his life is so extraordinary. And, and you look at this passage, and, and it's interesting because it starts out by saying one day as they were going down to a place of prayer, it talks about they met this slave girl. Um, and this is something that they did apparently often. It wasn't just a one-time thing. It was kind of what they did. They went together and they prayed. There was a consistency in Paul's walk. And if you go back just a few verses before we picked up, we see that in verse 11 through 15, Paul's teaching and, and Lydia, a wealthy merchant, accepts the message and becomes a true believer. So he's evangelizing. He's sharing the truth and people are responding to it. In verse 16, they're going down to this place of prayer and, and it's something they do regularly. In 18, he cast out a demon and a slave girl. So just so we understand, Paul's doing the right thing. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's walking with God. Like he's being obedient. He's sharing his faith. He's, he's spending time in prayer. He's, he's, he's doing ministry. And like, he's doing the things that he's supposed to be doing. And, and, and for me, I look at that and go, boy, that stinks for him. Because of what's about to happen. And, and man, I, I try to do the right thing in my life. I really do. And I think I get it right about 51% of the time. But... Even when I do the right thing, sometimes I find that my life still doesn't work out the way I want it to. My situation sometimes isn't as easy or pleasant as I'd really like it to be. Because if I'm honest, if I were honest with you, I really want an easy Christianity. You know? I just, I want life to be smooth, and I want life to work, and I want things to go my way, and I want my plans to work out, and, and I don't want to struggle, I don't want to hurt, I don't, I just don't want that stuff. But the reality is, even when you do the right things, life still happens. I don't know if you've experienced that, but man, I have. And like I said earlier, like, when I'm struggling through things, or man, when life just is not fun, in my head I can deal with it if, if I caused it, right? Like, I, I can take responsibility for when I mess things up. But man, I really struggle when I feel like I haven't done anything wrong. 
And some of you know exactly what that's like. You know, sometimes our struggles, and, and when, I, when I first taught this passage years and years ago, um, I entitled it Praise from the Pit, because the reality is, I mean, sometimes we find ourselves in the pit. And sometimes we're in the pit because of self-inflicted wounds. But then sometimes we're in the pit just because it's life. And, and so I want you to understand that, that even when you're doing everything you're supposed to do, even when you're doing all the right things, life still happens. And, and, and sometimes you still find yourself in the pit. It's just life. And, and, and it's interesting because we don't like to think that, man, if I do all the right things, you mean I'm still going to struggle? If Paul struggled, I'm pretty sure I am. But one of the things that's interesting about this passage, and I really kind of thought, man, this is so relevant today, is if you notice in verse 19, Paul has just delivered uh, this, this slave girl uh, from a demon. The demon's been gone. And her masters, um, their response was, was this, and their hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities in the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They were teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Now, here's what I think is interesting. There was a way to handle things like this in Rome. There, there, was, there was a proper way to deal with what they may have thought were people who were teaching things that weren't good. But man, emotions just kind of took over. Like these, these masters, they, they were so frustrated that man, their revenue stream was gone. They didn't care, that the, care about the fact that Paul had just delivered the slave girl from a demon. They were concerned that their pocketbooks weren't going to be as full anymore. I mean, that's what they were concerned about. And, and then as a result, they're like, hey, look, the whole city's in an uproar. I don't know if the whole city was in an uproar or not. But man, what happened was even the authorities just kind of threw everything out the window because they let their emotions kind of ramp up and kind of they got, they were, it was being fed by whatever this mob was. And all of a sudden, they throw everything out the window and their decisions become based on emotions and not on reality. And I don't know if you've watched the news or been around social media the last year and a half or year. And there's a lot of emotion that goes on, right? And a lot of things are being said that, that are just emotionally driven. And, and here's a little advice. Um, I'm getting up there in years. I'm not as young as I was when I first came. And I was talking to Hob this morning, and I was like, man, I, I need hearing aids, all right? I'm just, like, I'm deaf. I'm like, like, the whole pandemic really kind of helped me understand how deaf I am, like, because with people wearing masks, I was just in trouble. Because <laughs> I'm like, what? Right? My kids are like, why do you stretch your deck out like a giraffe? I'm like, because I can't hear, right? I mean, I can't, it's horrible. I'm going to have to get something at some point. But, but you know, the things I've kind of, and I'm still trying to learn it. I wish, I'd, wish I had it down. But, man, when I make emotional decisions, I usually get myself in trouble. 
because I'm just reacting, and I, and I let my emotions get in the middle of it, and I'm no longer thinking logically, or I'm no longer looking at reality, but I'm just allowing my emotions to make decisions, and, and man, that's a bad thing. Because sometimes my emotions are completely wrong. Because I'm just reacting to something that's happening, and I'm not really looking at it. I'm just... And I wish I could tell you that when, when life happens, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm not. Like, I had these moments of freak out where I go, whoa. And I've had to learn to kind of step back from my emotions and, and actually look at what's happening and going on. Because this whole situation with Paul and Silas really was generated because of an emotional response to something. A response that really wasn't caring about other people, but it was caring about, oh, this, how this affects me. See, the masters of the slave girl, they, they could care less about her. What they cared about is how that affected them. And man, sometimes I, I, I look at my life and I, and I wonder, decisions that I make, do I make them because it's what benefits me or is it what benefits others? Even in my own family, do I make decisions that benefit me or that benefit others? Man, emotions are powerful and they're dangerous. They're also good, but man, they could be dangerous. And this whole situation is all because these guys are freaking out because they've lost a revenue stream. And as you read this passage and you, you kind of look at it, it says the mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. And then you drop down to verse 23 and 24, and it says they were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer had order, was ordered to make sure they did not escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Now, as I read that, my first response is, I mean, that's not fair. <laughs> that's not fair. They didn't do anything. And man, I kind of step back and I go, yeah, you know, life's not always fair. I mean, when you look at this story, um, what was done to Paul and Silas, there was no grounds for it. They were completely mistreated. So, just so we're on the same page. Paul and Silas are having a pretty bad day. Right? It's not good. It's not, they're not having fun that day. They're arrested and accused, and then they're beaten. And, and, but the story goes on to that. One of the things I love about the story is it's not like they just threw them in jail. Right? Um, because it says the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon. Like, so there's the jail, and then there's the jail, right? And so they're in the jail, and not only are they in the jail, but they're shackled, right? I mean, they're being treated like the worst criminal there is. And you've got to think, if it's me, I, I, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm probably on Facebook whining and complaining about it. <laughs> it ain't fair, right? I don't, they probably didn't have Facebook back then, but if they did. But you have this situation where Paul and Silas who were doing what God asked them to do, who are be being obedient to God, are being treated incredibly unfairly. They're thrown into the jail, and not just the jail, but to the jail underneath the jail, and they're shackled. 
And man, they had every right to complain. Every right. Because they were being mistreated. They have every right to complain to God. God, what are you doing? Because they were just being obedient to God. And man, every time I go through situations or I, I, I find myself in the pit, I kind of struggle because I want to complain. And I want to whine about it. Because whining makes me feel better. It doesn't fix anything. But man, if I whine about it, there's somebody probably going to come around, pat me on the shoulder, and go, it's going to be okay, and you're right. But Paul and Silas didn't respond that way. Although they were being treated incredibly unfairly. unfairly. And they'd done nothing wrong. And so they're having a bad day. It's interesting when we find ourselves in the pit. Um, what we do in the pit speaks volumes. I mean, what we do in the middle of that stuff just speaks so loud. And as you look at Paul and Silas, it's interesting to me what it says. That around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. To me, that's kind of crazy. You're in the inner dungeon. You're in a bad spot. You're having a horrible day. And your response at midnight is to pray and to worship. Is that kind of weird to anybody else? I mean, I know that's what all y'all do, but I'm just saying. Sometimes at midnight, praying and worshiping is not what's in my mind. I mean, other things are on my mind, but not prayer and worship, right? Just because it's so weird. You've been beaten. You've been imprisoned unfairly. And your response is to worship and to pray. That's nuts. But the reality is that's those of us who claim to have hope and peace, shouldn't that be our response at midnight in the pit? And, and listen, I wish I could tell you that's really how I respond all the time. It's not. Because I, I kind of have these moments where I find myself in the pit and, and I, and I kind of tell people, I, I give myself a little bit of time to freak out. But then what I've really tried to learn in life is that it's okay for me to do that for a minute, but then I've got to step back and I've got to do what Paul and Silas do. Because what I do in the pit, in the middle of that struggle or that chaos or that frustration or that hurt, it really reveals who I am. And it really reveals what I believe about God. Because it's easy to kind of fake it when things aren't really bad. Because anybody can fake it for a little while. But man, when you find yourself deep in the pit, you can't fake that. And what's in you is what's going to come out. And I love this about Paul and Silas. 
as messed up as things were for them, as many struggles and ups and downs as Paul had, his response was to pray and to worship. Now, one of my other favorite characters in Scripture is David. And when you read Psalms that are attributed to David, um, they're always interesting to me. Because I see a lot of how I respond to situations in what David wrote in a lot of the Psalms that are attributed to him. Because if you notice in a lot of the Psalms, David starts out by going, God, where are you at? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> why, why, wait, why'd you leave me? Or God, this stinks. Or stinketh, because it's Old Testament. But, but it's, it's, he's honest. And when you look at, at, you know, at Psalms 13, Psalms 22, Psalms 40, Psalms 56, I mean, he's just being honest about, God, this is not fun. I'm not enjoying this at this moment, and I think you've left me. Why'd you go? What's happening? But then he always turns at the end, but God, I know you're still there. God, I know you still hear me. God, I know you're not going to leave, right? And he goes through this, this, this moment of like, ah, this stinks, but you're still good. When you, you look at Psalms 13, it says, oh, oh, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look, at, look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart and every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O oh Lord. Restore the sparkle to my eye, or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice in my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will, I will sing to the Lord because he is good. See, one of the things that when you, when you decide to pray and worship in the pit, it doesn't mean that you're not in a bad situation. It's not denying that life is happening. It's not going, oh, everything's just great, right? I had a pastor friend a long time ago that I served with, um, and he was, all, he was a praise Jesus guy. Like, everything is praise Jesus. You, you know those guys? Like, whatever's happening, praise Jesus, right? I just told him my car, well, praise Jesus. Mm, no, that's not what I want to do. Like, and I can remember, um, I remember one time, I was making so much money at this church, they cut my salary. Um, because I made, I think at the time, I was making about 50 bucks a week. Um, and they thought that was too much. I thought, well, sure. Uh, so the past, I, remember, I just remember this, because it was, it was funny but sad and frustrating at the same time. And the pastor wanted a raise, and, and the finance team said, no, we're not giving you a raise, but we're, you know, we're going to, you know, keep things where they are. Well, the pastor decided to cut my salary because he needed a raise. And I remember him telling me about it. And the whole time, I was like, praise Jesus, brother. We just cut your salary. Praise Jesus. I'm like, whoa, wait, what? And everything was that way, right? And he was one of those guys who would just like, I refuse to accept that in Jesus' name. And I'm like, wait a minute. I mean, I refuse to accept a pay cut, but my check's still smaller. I mean, I, like, it's not denying that life is happening. It's not denying that things are tough and things kind of just aren't going well. But it's acknowledging that life stinks and that sometimes, no matter how hard you try, it's going to be hard. But it's remembering that God is still God in the midst of it. I, one of the things I love about this passage 
Um, is that it reminds me of man, the old hymn we used to sing. Um, those of you who don't know me well, like, I'm Baptist Baptist. Like, like I was going to Baptist Sunday school before I was born, literally. Um, and one of the, the hymns we used to sing is, is Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. I mean, you realize how much truth is just in that chorus? I mean, how much truth is it to say, but you just got to turn your eyes. Just turn your eyes. Just turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look forward to his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow, what? Strangely dim. In the light of his glory and his grace. The thing I love about it is it doesn't say that when you turn your eyes to Jesus and look full of his wonderful face, that everything is okay. That all your struggles, all the things you're walking through, boop, they disappear. Man, I wish that's what happened. But the reality is, it's not. The reality is when we walk through struggles and we fix our eyes on Jesus and we look up, it doesn't make all this go away. But it reminds us that no matter what you're going through, no matter what the struggle is, God's still there. Some of you have kind of followed our journey the last few years with our kids. and um, With just the constant visits to Texas Children's in Houston, with Gracie and her concussions, Rachel with back issues, and my son just being an idiot. Right? I love him sometimes. But, but I can remember um, Alicia and I were at Texas Children's with both of our girls. Um, Rachel was having some kind of test done on her back. Gracie, I was with Gracie. She was having an infusion uh, because they were trying to deal with her headaches and, and everything from the concussion. And, and Micah had his own stuff going on. And, and man, I, at that moment, all three of my kids at one time were all in crisis. All of them. Now, and I can remember just thinking, man, if, if one of my kids is in crisis, I got it. I can deal with it. Two of my kids are in crisis, man, it gets a little iffy. Three of my kids in crisis at one time, completely overwhelming. Because I remember thinking, I remember sitting in the hospital room with Gracie as she's getting an infusion and we're eating snacks out of the room next door to us because they told us we could go get snacks. And so, of course, it's what I did. I got snacks. And I can remember sitting there just thinking, what in the world did I do to get here? I mean, having one kid at Texas Children's, one thing. Having two kids at Texas Children's at the same time is a little weird. And I remember just sitting there, just scratching my head, just kind of going, what is happening right now? And I was so overwhelmed. And as we kind of struggled through that year, really year and a half, almost two years, there were moments that, that were just hard. Like, I didn't have a bad day. I had like 365 of them, like in a row. And that grates on you. And some of you have been there. You know how hard it is. And I remember a friend of mine 
asking me one day, he said, you know, how do you do it? And I'm thinking, well, you just don't see me at home, so <laughs> it's working out pretty well. But he was like, no, seriously, how do you, how do you and Alicia do it? Like, you haven't stopped. You keep doing all the things you've been doing. And I remember standing there talking to him, and I just said, man, I, I don't really know how we do it except faith. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have faith. I, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have God. He's like, well, isn't it hard? Yeah, it's hard. But I still have God. And, and I learned so much in that last year. I wish I could tell you that I taught, uh, particularly Gracie, um, how to weather the storm, right? But I didn't. She really taught me what it really looked like to continue to praise in the middle of the pit. I can remember nights where she would just lay in bed and cry. She would just curl up like a baby, and there was nothing we could do. Man, they pumped her so full of medication to try to stop headaches. Nothing worked. And I can remember going in her room at night and just praying for her while she's just curled up in the bed crying. And there's nothing I can do to fix it. There's nothing I can do to make it better. Um, there's nothing Alicia can do to make it better. I mean, it was just, it was horrible. And if you've ever seen your kids suffer, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, there's moments I was just like, God, I, like, I would gladly take that headache <laughs> just give it to me like I, I'm, I can handle this, right? But man, she was so, just so faithful. And she'd still come up here on Wednesday nights and lead worship. And, and she'd get on stage, she'd lead worship. And then most of the time she would just walk straight out the door, back to the car and back home and curl up in bed. And man, I remember watching that just going, Dang. Man, I wish I handled stuff like that. Man, because she really continued to praise God in the pit. And that she continued just to try to be faithful to him in the midst of all that mess. And man, I learned so much from her. And I'm glad she's not here because she would be mad at me this morning. <laughs> um, but man, she just walked through the pit and just kept focused on Jesus. And man, I was so challenged by that. Because the reality is, when, when, when I look at my situation, and even, you know, I wasn't joking when I said I always have to live through what I'm teaching. Um, there's a situation that I'm walking through right now that I'm looking at, and, and, and man, when I look at that situation, it seems so overwhelming. And I tend to forget that God's still there. Because for a lot of us, when life starts happening around us, we're so focused on the moment and what's happening and, and, and our circumstances and, and how unfair it is or how whatever, that our eyes get put down and, and, and we forget that God really is still God. It's not until I can start lifting my eyes off of my circumstances and my situation and I start putting my focus back on God that all of a sudden I'm reminded, you know what? Whatever this is, it just is. 
But this hasn't changed at all who God is. My circumstances haven't changed at all how good God is, how big God is, how powerful God is. How do I have hope in the midst of all the mess? Because I just look up. Because no matter what my circumstance is, no matter what your circumstance is, it's not bigger than God. Sometimes I think it is. But I have to be reminded, I've got to look up. I just have to. Because listen, (laughs) when I'm just living here, life gets pretty hopeless. (laughs) It feels like you're not going to make it. You're going to drive yourself crazy. You're going to be depressed. You're going to be anxious. You're going to be everything. Because life is hard. And here's the thing I figured out. When I look up, it doesn't make this disappear. But man, all of a sudden, <laughs> I can do it. And I just remember telling my friend that. I mean, if I didn't have God, I don't know where I would be. Because God is still good in the midst of your struggle. He's still good in the midst of, no matter how stinky your life is. He's just good. And the interesting thing to me about Paul and Silas, one of the interesting things about, about this whole passage is at the end of 25, it says this. And the other prisoners were listening. The other prisoners were listening. Because quite honestly, they're probably sitting there going, uh, what are they doing? Why are they doing that, Right? Paul and Silas, in the midst of all this mess, in the midst of all this struggle, in the midst of the unfairness of the situation, their response was to pray and to worship, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Why? Because it was so different. It was so weird. And when we find ourselves in the pit, whether you like it or not, people are listening, and people are watching. And to me, the struggle for me is that, man, I claim to be a follower of Jesus, and, and, man, I claim, like, to believe this stuff. But, man, when I'm in the pit, if I respond like people who have no hope, what does that say about what I really believe about this? And, And Paul and Silas, in the middle of this, they're praying and they're worshiping, and the other prisoners are listening. And and I thought this week, man, as people are listening to my life, what are they hearing? What are they seeing? What, What am I proclaiming through the way I'm dealing with my stuff? Are they seeing someone who acts just like them, who has no hope? Or do they see something different? Because my hope and my prayer is that people see there's something different in me. Not that I've got it figured out. Not that I, I know how to fix it all. But that in the midst of it, I can still have hope and peace. And man, the only way I can do that is to turn my eyes upon Jesus. That's it. 
That's it. And, and as we kind of wrap this thing up this morning, you know, Paul and Silas had a choice, and um, they could worship or they can whine, right? We always have a choice in how we respond. I can complain and moan and groan about it, or I can keep praying and worshiping. And my question I kind of wrote out to myself is, in 26, it says, suddenly there was this massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open. The chains of every prisoner fell off. And my, the question I wrote out was, so does God respond to my whining or my worship? I don't know. What if Paul and Silas would have whined and complained all night? Would God have sent the earthquake? Would God have had manifest his power through that? I don't know. My guess is, yeah, probably not. You know, what moves the heart of God is when we trust him in the midst of our struggles. What causes God to do extraordinary things is when we put our eyes on him and we trust him. You can't make him do it. But man, when you put your eyes on God and you say, God, you're still big enough. You're, you're still everything that I need. And God will do incredible things. Not because you earn it, but because we trust him. And listen, it doesn't mean that everything's going to be okay. In the sense of, I'm still going to have to walk through what I'm walking through. But man, when I put my eyes on him, <laughs> I can walk through it. And not only can I walk through it, but God will use that to impact other people's lives. And man, I want, I, I've told people forever, my greatest fears in life is to get to the end of my life and look back and realize that I didn't have an impact on anybody. I just don't want that. I mean, one of the things I've kind of figured out in life is, man, if I just walk with God, even in the midst of the struggles and the frustrations and the hurt and the heartache, people are watching how I do that. And, and my hope and prayer, and, and listen, I'll be honest with you, I've watched some of you walk through just so much stuff. <laughs> and I've watched how some of you have been in the pit and how you've walked through that, and how you've handled that. And i got to tell you, that, that has encouraged me. As a staff, we talk about, as we pray for people, just, man, how much faith does this person have? And how they're handling that situation. And just so you know, for some of you who are walking through the pit, who keep your eyes on Jesus, who are just kind of doing the deal, I just want to tell you as a pastor, that encourages me. That challenges me to keep my eyes focused. That challenges me to praise and to worship in the pit. So keep doing it. Because your life is having an impact. And I want my life to have an impact. Because at the end of the day, we all struggle. At the end of the day, we all have ups and downs. At the end of the day, we're all in the pit at some point in time. How we handle that, how we walk through that, 
is so incredibly important. As you end the story, we won't read the rest of it, but through that, that moment and those situations that Paul and Silas were in, if you read the story, what happened at the end? The jailer who had thrown him in jail, who had shackled him, who had been put in charge of them, at the end of the story, he sees all this going on. He sees them praying and worshiping. He experiences the earthquake. And what happens at the end of the story? He gives his life to God. Because there are these two guys who in the middle of an incredibly dark time kept their focus and put their eyes on Jesus and they saw that. And it was so incredible that the guy went, whatever that is, I want that. I need that. Whatever this God thing is, if that's how you handle stuff like that, sign me up. Because either we believe God's big enough or we don't. Either we believe that God is who he says he is or we don't. And, and in student ministry forever, I used to say all the time, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out who's walking with Jesus and who's not. I mean, it's really pretty easy, right? And one of the, times, one of the things I look at people's lives is, man, how they handle the pit. <laughs> Because you can't fake it when you're in the pit. I'm telling you, what's in you is what's going to come out. So, last thing I'm going to tell you this morning, and, and hey, look, you're going to get out a little bit early. Told you. Um, is listen, the time to get ready for the pit is not in the pit. <laughs> right? Like, the time, to, the time to get ready uh, for life to go off the rails is not when life is going off the rails. It's every day. It is walking with Jesus. I know that sounds so simple, but the reality is it really is that simple. It's just walking with Jesus. And listen, man, I have bad days <laughs> where things just aren't going well. But I have to decide if, if I'm going to stay in the pit or am I going to get up and just keep moving forward. And kind of the theme for me over the last few years with our family has been, man, I'm just, I'm just going to get up and I'm going to keep going forward. Because I know that God's big enough and God's faithful enough. And does it hurt sometimes? Yeah. <laughs> But do I have hope? Yeah. Do I have peace? Yeah. Not because it's necessarily getting better, but because I put my eyes on him and I take my eyes off my situation. And man, when you do that, God looks so big compared to whatever it is you're walking through. So my encouragement to you this morning is if you're in the pit, man, pick your eyes up. If you're not in the pit, you're going to be in the pit, so get your eyes up, right? I'm just, just being honest. <laughs> just get your eyes up, because you will make it. And I've been told that 500 times this week. You're going to make it, <laughs> and I'm going to go, shut up. But the reality is, I'm going to make it. 
I mean, the journey may not be as comfortable as I'd like it to be, but I'm still going to make it. And it's not because of me. It's because I fix my eyes on Jesus. And I just keep walking. Let's pray. God, thanks. Um, thanks for the therapy session this week. Um, as I kind of had to walk through uh, this passage. Um, God, the reality is, man, all of us in this room struggle. Sometimes our struggle is self-inflicted. Sometimes our struggle is just life. God, that's just inevitable. We're going to have moments of pain, moments of frustration, moments of hurt. But God, I pray for those right now who find themselves in the pit. That this morning they would find encouragement through Paul and Silas. God, I pray that you would help those of us who find ourselves in the pit, to realize that you're still big enough and you're still good enough. And all we have to do is lift our eyes. And God, you'll give us the strength that we need to keep walking. God, for those who've been in the pit for a long time, who just feels like, and their life is just one mess up after the other, God, I pray for, for those that you would just continue to remind them, just pick your eyes up. I'm still here. I haven't gone anywhere. And God, for those uh, who, are, uh, who are blessed and life is just great, God, I pray that they would not forget in the midst of things going really well to keep their eyes on you. Because they're going to find themselves in the pit sometimes just because it's life. So God, I pray that you would encourage us this morning. I pray as we go to our Bible study groups that, God, you would just help us to unpack some thoughts and ideas. But, God, most of all, I thank you that no matter what I'm going through, no matter how hard things are, you haven't changed. And you're still the creator of the universe. You're still the redeemer of my soul. And you still love me with an unimaginable love. And you never promised an easy road. What you promised was you would walk with us down that road. And God, I'm grateful for that. So as we leave this morning, God, I pray that you would fix our eyes on you, that you would remind us of who you are, and remind us of how much we need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Bible study starts in, I don't know, 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs>